Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It is actually uh, not quite Sunday morning. We are getting this one in at 11.09 p.m. on the East Coast as we are getting started. Uh, Oklahoma is trying to take care of business right now. If Iowa State gets frisky and pulls off a fourth quarter upset, this is going to turn into a live blog diary of it. So uh, we'll figure out some way to repurpose that. Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli, uh, gentlemen, for the most part, it feels like the rest of the college football Saturday has been put to bed. We will get to LSU's win in Tuscaloosa. We will get to Minnesota uh, rising up with Penn State in town. Uh, how are we feeling right now uh, as we sit here uh, with the date that we had circled from the beginning of the season, from August, we knew that this was going to be a significant day in college football. Do you feel like it delivered? I do. I think it delivered. I think, I mean, look, some of the, the big-time games were exciting and eventful, but I also think even some of, like, the second-tier, third-tier games. I mean, App pretty- State, South Carolina that we just put to bed was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Kentucky, Tennessee. Like I, I, I think we saw some teams. Like to me, it was like grit week. Like we saw some grit, like some, uh, some perseverance. Saw like some teams really rise up to the challenges. And 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 I'm not even just talking about you know Minnesota beating Penn State. I'm talking about like, you know Purdue, like finding a way to get out a win against Northwestern. And hey, Northwestern coming up with some touchdowns. Like I don't know. It was just, <laughs> I, I thought it was a fun week. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great week. I mean, the LSU-Alabama game was one of those game of the centuries that actually, you know, lived up to the hype that you have going into it because we've seen so many times where we really look forward to a game and it shows up and it's good. And sometimes it's even fun and exciting, but it's never, you know, great. And I thought that was a great football game. I thought Minnesota's win this morning was really fun and really exciting, and it kind of you know changes your view of a lot of things on the Big Ten and Minnesota itself, and even a little bit of Penn State. And I think that you know it's just we also saw the SEC. We mentioned you know App State beat South Carolina, Arkansas lost to Western Kentucky, so that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And then of course you guys know what the biggest win of the day. Your boys. Oh man. Certain team that was down 28 to three down two of their best linebackers down their leading sack defensive end down their starting defensive tackle down 28 to three at halftime down 31 to 10 after three quarters, but they won. 37 to 34. Illinois is going bowling, ladies and gentlemen. 
Hey, shame on me for not being totally dialed into all the different Illinois aspects of this game. I thought the win against Michigan State was significant enough, and I was looking on my screen, which is admittedly a little bit dirty. I don't have great laptop screen maintenance, but I was like, oh, they only have five wins, right? Is that something on my screen? It looks like it's six, but it... oh. Oh, no, 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 no. Illinois has six wins. They are bowling right now. How are you feeling, Tom, about the Lovey Smith era? I'm feeling great, especially because of that money line sprinkle Woo-hoo. that we put on the Illini this week. But I think, you know, it's, I wrote about it. It's been a hell of a month because you think about where I was on this podcast a month ago and I was, you know, talking about how, you know, we were putting together that search firm and, you know, we've always got to have a list of names ready. For if it comes worse to worse, and now four weeks later, Illinois won four straight. Jeez. It beat Wisconsin. <laughs> it crushed Purdue and you know Rutgers, and it came back from down twenty-one in the fourth quarter on the road against Michigan State to get to six and four. It's oh, it's been a long time since Illinois football is something to be excited about. So I know everyone is tuning in here to listen to the the breakdowns of. Uh, the big, the big <laughs> games, but I'm because gen- I didn't see it, and I'm genuinely curious how the hell did that happen? Can you give a quick synopsis <laughs> on how the hell Illinois ended up coming back from twenty-seven to three or whatever and winning? Listen, if Illinois won a football game, it's a pretty simple answer. The other team turned the ball over, <laughs> and that's what happened. Michigan State had four turnovers. The game, you know, what Brian Lewerke, they I think it was they turned the ball over three times inside Illinois territory and it was almost a fourth as the work he fumbled but then he was ruled down and you know the play stood and Michigan State got a touchdown out of it but it was turnovers man that's that's Illinois thing they've had a difficult time scoring without you know their defense doing it but I mean there was also Brandon Peters and Josh Emmeter Bebe the USC transfer Brandon Peters threw for 369 yards in this game Imiter Bebe had 178 yards receiving and two touchdowns, had an 83-yard touchdown that was like a short little, you know, kind of a little streak route, and then he took off down the sideline for 83 yards, caught a huge pass on a fourth and 16 on the final drive of the game to keep Illinois alive. And there was, you know, a pick six that actually was supposed to have tied the game at 31, but for the first time all year, Illinois' kicker decided to miss the extra point, so it was still only 31-30. to And then Michigan State went and got a field goal to make it 34-30 to before Illinois came back to score the final touchdown. It was it was your typical Illinois under Lovey Smith win where the other team makes mistakes and Illinois made you pay for them. That's, that's just the formula. That's what Lovey Smith's formula was with the Bears. It's what it's been throughout his whole career. It's what it's been with Illinois. And when it works, it's really fun. I saw the, on Twitter, um, Mark D'Antonio was asked, I don't know if you guys saw this, um, what message would you have for, or what message do you have for the fans and uh, and Michigan State community uh, about the future of the program? Or something like that. And, his, and Mark D'Antonio's response was, next question. Jeez! Oh, I mean, he's he is he's surly, man. He's he's grumpy. He's he's, <laughs> he's grumpy these days. Well, what the craziest thing about the end of this game was it was going on at the exact same time as LSU Alabama was ending. So it was like a very it was a whirlwind to keep track of everything that was happening. 
forgotten. Uh, so was uh, wouldn't like Texas K State going on at the end of that game too? I didn't yeah, see I a lick of that. Any of that game. Uh, um. All right, well, all right, let's get we, to we the, the big game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we can't like extend this into 10 minutes without uh, addressing. So uh, a lot of different ways to cut this. And I will, I'll start this off with uh, the acknowledgement that we were a little bit dialed into the idea that LSU had been the better team. That if we trusted our eyes, we had seen an LSU team be challenged, play great football, execute, and and everything else that said, you know, this is a team that can contend to be the number one team in the country, can contend for a national championship. So to to get this rolling, I, I'll kick this at you, Barton, because it was one thing we didn't really tackle. Always watch CBSSportsHQ.com. We were on there earlier with some reaction to the game. Do, do you feel like this Alabama team that even going into the season opener when we were – uh, circle in the spots on their defense where you were a little bit concerned. Was this Alabama team? Uh, was it was it the fact that their makeup got a little bit exposed here, or do you think that this was an example of an Alabama team that just didn't have a good performance? That if you play this game ten times, they play better. Like, is it is it a matter of what they've got on the depth chart, or is it a matter of the way that depth chart performed on Saturday against LSU? I think there are real flaws on defense. I think that this is – I mean, that's why uh, – um, and and the offense was still really good, um, especially considering Tua was was injured. And But I, I think defensively, the you know, linebacking is, is not good here. I mean, when was the last time Alabama didn't have good linebackers? Um, I think Christian Harris and maybe Shane Lee could become good linebackers, but they're not good linebackers right now. Uh, the defensive line. I mean, you're starting two true freshmen, I, and and that's they recruit well, and so it's not. You know, they're still beating teams, but if you got to beat LSU, I mean, that's what it boiled down to for me. Was and like uh, a couple of my buddies were were texting about it, and one of them was said, uh, you know, end of the day, like LSU played the perfect game, and Alabama still almost. Like one, and my response was, "Well, yeah, but that perfect game that you saw from LSU is what they've been doing to everybody on offense, and they did it to Alabama. Like Alabama didn't wasn't a much of a speed bump to that offense, and to Joe Burrow. And that's just I think that's a a strong commentary on LSU as as just being that good. But also I think it's a it's a indictment." on Alabama defensively right now. And um, I, I think the better team won. You know, what, what stood out to me a lot during this game was, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, obviously, but neither of these teams can tackle. Like how many missed tackles were there during this game? Like dudes just hitting guys and not like trying to tackle them, just trying to knock them over. It was there was a there was a whole lot of that going on. It was just it was strange because there were so many plays where like on third and longs or whatever, like they would be short of the sticks by seven yards, and then whoever it was, whether it was you know Hilaire or Najee Harris or you know Jefferson or Devonte Smith or whoever the hell had the ball, would break like two tackles to get the first down. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man. 
This is an Alabama LSU game, and it feels like neither of these teams know how to stop the other one. And when you think about it, this is LSU's first win since 2011 over Alabama, and the final score of that game was nine to six. This one was 46 to 41. Things have changed a lot, but it was it was a really fun game, and I don't think that there's really any major takeaway from this that I don't think the three of us kind of already had our fingers on the pulse of. We've all three thought LSU was very good. LSU was very good against Alabama. We all thought Alabama was very good, and Alabama was very good in this game. I mean, Tua was not sharp. He got better as the game went along, but he still finished barely completing half his passes. He was 21 for 40, but he threw for 418 yards and four touchdowns. So if that's that dude at like 85%, what's he capable of doing against LSU at 100%? And I think that's probably going to be a narrative we better get used to over the next few weeks because if Alabama doesn't lose again I think we all know what's going to happen come you know early December yeah what where do you guys think Alabama is going to fall in the playoff rankings this four yeah I think it'll still be in the top four I mean I could see that I'm not that wouldn't surprise me at all what I uh I'm, I'm going to have them fifth in my rankings. And the team above them is going to be Minnesota. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Minnesota has a better win than Alabama does to this point. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't like that was a fluke either. I mean, Minnesota controlled that game from the kick. Um, so, so, yeah. I mean, so I, it, it's just – so this is where we are. Uh, this is the new LSU. Did you guys hear Coach O's locker room yes. celebration? And I'm torn on it because a, I think it's great that he said it, but b, man, dude, don't don't be playing that live for the world to listen to because that's just gonna cause trouble. I'm fine with it. Up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we talking about the fu tide? Roll. Yeah. Roll Tide FU, I think is what yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and and I think that when I actually heard it, as opposed to when it was typed out in the tweet that had the video in it, it sounded way more like a jumble of, <laughs> like a general jumble of celebration words, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just like, it's just a, a involuntary, like, spasm of energy and excitement from Coach O. It's just how he talks. Yeah, I, I have absolutely <laughs> no problem with Coach O saying it or doing it. What I just don't like is that's, you know, some things that happen in the locker room are supposed to stay in the locker room. So if, if I'm Coach O, I'm pretty sure he's, you know, he might be kind of mad that they were, you know, Instagram living or whatever the heck it was that let that get out. I, I just think that, you know, it's glad you do that celebrating with your team. Maybe when the coach is doing that, because, you know. And Orgeron's going to have to hear about that now. Hey, something, yeah. something, something locker room talk joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like, you know, it's shock that Coach O is like a locker room guy who cusses. Like, I don't think Coach O's no, going to be is, like, oh, like I've been exposed. As this, like, this is the same dude <laughs> who was like tearing off his shirt in the locker yeah, room. I think, I think Coach, Coach O might just get out there on Monday's presser and be like, oh, that was me. I was pretty excited. Yeah, exactly. I'll say it again, you know. go Tigers. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, he'll he'll apologize to a family member and keep it moving, right? right. Yeah, it's like yeah. I'm really sorry for embarrassing my wife, you know. Right. And that's uh, and I got a good talking to, and uh, I didn't get the gumbo second helpings that I normally get, so I've paid my punishment. Um, well, all right. So for 
as, as we look at LSU and as we start to do, we, do you want to jump into Minnesota or do you want to talk about LSU and Ohio State? Because that's that is the conversation for the who's the best team in the country. Isn't that going to be the the off the cuff like playoff rankings? Mm-hmm. Got Ohio State number one. AP voters got LSU number one. Who's the best team LSU in the country? Jump Ohio State. I. It, in the yeah, playoff rankings, got a better resume. The playoff though. rankings. Like they didn't. I'll say this: they didn't jump Ohio State in my rankings. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think that's a guarantee. This the playoff selection committee could look at seventy three, uh, Ohio State even without Chase Young in that game against Maryland, and just say I don't. I don't know. Ohio What's State this? still looks like the. Ohio State still looks like the sports car that's performing and passing all the driving tests. That, that's the thing with the committee. We have absolutely no idea what they're going to value because they change it for every team. You know, when they when they discuss why one team is somewhere, they'll say, you know, it's got the better resume. Well, then you'll say, well, this team has a better resume. Why are they, you know, higher than this other team? And it's like, well, you know, the eye test. So I don't know. I think that if they go based off resume, then yeah, LSU with a win over Alabama should probably bump up over Ohio State. If you're asking me who I think the better team is, I'm still going to say Ohio State because I think that Ohio State's a more complete team. I think it's got a better defense than LSU. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, their job is only to do the four best teams. And if they think Ohio State was the best team going in and there was nothing in Week 11 that changes their mind, they they, they obviously still think LSU is worthy of competing for a national championship. They just they think Ohio State's better. That onside kick Ohio State pulled off was awesome, by the way. They're onside kicking on Maryland. Yeah. Oh, they. Oh, you didn't see it. They oh, were, it was oh, in the what, first half. Nothing. Yeah, right? in the first quarter. Yeah. And they onside kicked, but it was because of what they saw Maryland's kick return team doing. Like the guy, the the guy that was on the sideline was crashing in towards you know the middle of the field. He was going towards the hash mark, so the kicker just kind of pretty much kicked a pop up to the sideline like a fade route. To the gunner on the to the gunner out to the right, and he just kind of ran under it and caught it. Like the ball wow. never touched the ground. It was like a little. It was awesome. They wow. clearly saw something on tape. <laughs> Isn't that the old uh, Alabama against Clemson in the national championship game when Saban has to steal a possession against Deshaun in the game they won? Yes. Yeah. Kicked the little pop up. I forgot who he had there. Maybe it was Kenyon Drake. Maybe it was a defensive back. But uh, just get go get him to run under it. Um, oh, all right, Purdy completing a miracle just now. <laughs> oh, is this game getting close? Iowa State's got the ball down two scores, but there's only like four and a half minutes left. Uh, and we're sitting oh, on uh, 62 and really needing another score. Oh, no, YouTube, we got the touchdown, didn't we? The YouTube TV uh, delay 70. finally burning me here. I just saw the play. Okay, we're on 70. We're good. Yeah, we're on 70. We're fine, bro. Okay, cool. Um, all right, Penn State, Minnesota. Where does does this end up being a total change of narrative? Where uh, Minnesota now gets to receive the flowers that no one wanted to give it for the entire week? I don't know that it'll change the narrative. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear more about how Penn State never deserved to be number four to begin with talk than we do Minnesota talk. But I I think it was a very very telling performance for Minnesota. I thought that this was a game that Minnesota didn't just win. And even though they only won by five, I felt like Minnesota dominated this game. Like I, at no point did I ever really think Penn state 
was going to win the game. They beat them, you know, like this is a, a Minnesota team that ran the ball two thirds of the time this season, going against one of the best run defenses in the country. And Penn State took away the run, but it didn't matter because Minnesota said, eh, we don't need to run it anyway because we've got a really good quarterback and really good receivers. And I mean, Tanner Morgan balled out. He was 18 to 20, 339 yards, three touchdowns. Shot Bateman, seven catches, 203 yards, a touchdown. Tyler Johnson, seven catches, 104 yards, a touchdown. And to put it home, Minnesota was kicking Penn State's butt in the trenches for most of the game, too. Its offensive line was beating up on the defensive line, and Minnesota's front seven was giving Penn State's offensive line all sorts of problems for most of the game, although Penn State finally got its act together a bit in the second half. I just thought this was a very impressive performance for Minnesota, both on the field and the way they played and the way they approached the game, because, man, Minnesota did not play this game scared at all. It came out and said, we're the better team, and we're going to show it, and that's exactly what they did. I thought it was a great game for the Gophers. Yeah, I I, I mean, those receivers are legit. Um, Minnesota was, uh, to, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, they, they showed up expecting to win. Um, yeah, we, should have, we should have expected P.J. Fleck. I mean, not. That, I don't know that anyone thought they were going to go lay an egg. I, I wasn't. I was never in the press that this would be a blowout. Yeah. Um, but, man, credit those guys for being ready to roll. Uh, I will say that that was a very – like there were some open res- – look, I didn't watch much of the second half, to be honest. But the first half, Sean Clifford left a lot of points in the on Bad the game. Bad mm-hmm. Sean Clifford game. That was, that was a game that I thought exposed the limitations of Sean Clifford and the – team's reliance on KJ Hamler and and you know and and like that's the thing because you've got this one weapon that is one of the best in all of college football and that is a game changer but you know when when you need to have your second and your third move I just I don't think with Penn State's offense it's second and third move is all that great right now well, see, that's the thing. I mentioned this in my write-up. If I'd have told you before the game that Sean Clifford would throw for 340 yards, Penn State would have a running back go for 124, and it would have two receivers over 100 yards, you're thinking it won this game pretty damn easy. And that it did all of that. It lost. Huh. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think... I mean, what did Minnesota rush for? Do you have the numbers in front of you? 178 yards. They averaged over six yards a carry. Journey Brown had 124 yards on 14 carries and two touchdowns. What about Minnesota? What about what did Minnesota rush for though? 121 yards on 40 carries, average three per. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but Minnesota averaged 18.8 yards per completion in the past game. Yeah, like that was the difference offensively. It was just, I mean, yeah. we knew how good those receivers were, and a lot of that stuff, at least in the first half when I was watching, was you know great players making great, great plays. Uh, so they went out and got it, and and we've we've known this, that Sean Clifford was was flawed and good enough, but not great, and good enough just you know wasn't going to cut it against a, a, a really hungry Minnesota team. 
Yeah, because his three interceptions, one was on their first drive of the game, and they had been moving the ball pretty easily the first few plays, and they took a deep shot. And he got, it got picked off inside the 20, but I, you can't – not like a red zone turnover, but it was just a deep shot that got picked off inside the 20. But then his other two interceptions were inside the red zone and then at the end of the game in the end zone when they were trying to you know win the game. So, I mean, that's clearly what decided the result of this game were those three interceptions it changed the game it's it's what why minnesota won but it was still just an overall performance by minnesota where it's like the turnovers decided the game but minnesota is the one who you know forced those turnovers yeah and and offensively if you're able to just sort of uh, penn state had the pressure on it like you said from the moment the game started and when you're able to sustain that, because that was my worry for Minnesota. And you're right. We didn't think Minnesota was going to lay an egg. In fact, I feel like we were coming on the other side. where We were saying we're expecting a great atmosphere. We're expecting that the crowd's going to be crazy. Uh, excitement around Minnesota football is as high as it's been in decades. A lot of like pumping up the idea that it was going to be a cool game to watch. I just don't think that I, and then I guess others as well, imagined that Minnesota was going to be able to sustain that energy across four quarters. Uh, the, yeah. the idea that they would start fast, I was like, yeah, okay, we'll see what happens in the second half. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, I think that that's one thing that even impresses me more when you're that team that's the underdog uh, with all the sort of excitement and buzz around you. You start fast, but then to come back out after halftime, sustain that energy and out execute the opponent in the third and fourth quarter. That's uh, that's the thing that makes you just look at Minnesota a little bit differently beyond uh, a team that beat up on a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Yeah, and I wrote about him on Friday. If you didn't read it, go to cbssports.com and read it now because I tried to tell you, Tanner Morgan is a name you need to know. Tanner Morgan. Write that down. All right, uh, we got... Oh, hey, we can't fire Clay Helton yet, right? <laughs> well, I thought we could for a while because USC nearly blew it. They did. They? they came really close to blowing it. Keaton Slovis got USC out to like a 28-0 lead. Uh, Jane Daniels is hurt, even though he was practicing as recently as Wednesday. And so we've got backup quarterback situation for Arizona State. And even as uh, they really, really struggled offensively at times, like the defense did a good job of locking in on USC. It's just, I mean, the the offense even had some turnovers. Christian Rector, I think, either had a fumble return touchdown or an interception that was uh, in 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 a in a in an opportune position. And so uh, USC wins against Arizona State. And so USC maintains. Uh, its position with the win against Arizona State and with the win against Utah from earlier in the year, like this Trojans team is still right there in the Pac-12 South race. Now they have two losses and Utah has one, but if Utah were to lose another game, then all of a sudden they are uh, they're in there. Both teams have three conference games left to play. So Clay Helton's future. Are we? Uh, are we just going to keep rocking with them for a little bit after introducing the new athletic director uh, earlier this week? I just want to interrupt for one second and say that Jalen Hurts just threw a pick. Iowa State has the ball back down seven with two forty-three to play in Oklahoma territory. Uh, I do. I don't think that Clay Helton is going to get fired during the season anyway. I think that they were going to wait to the end of the year unless things just like the wheels fell off and everything completely fell apart. But I mean, I, I feel like 
no matter what USC does short of winning the Pac-12, Clay Helton's gone. Agreed. You know Agreed. Yeah. Because there was there were the reports last week that like you know Mike Bowen was getting the job and then they weren't announcing it and then there was you know another reports that were saying Mike Bowen is now reconsidering because he's been told that he can't go after Urban Meyer and then a couple days later it's official and he's hired so it's like I feel like if that's true and the thing that was causing him to be trepidatious about taking the job was that he couldn't hire another coach <laughs> that doesn't really bode well for Clay Helton's job security. Yeah, I, I he's yeah. I just can't. I can't see it. I can't see him sticking around. Um, did you see the the university president was asked, uh, "Are you going to place any restrictions on which coach the new athletic director could hire?" She said very simply, "No." So we'll see if that's legit or not. PJ, like it is. I mean, Carol the firecracker Folt probably you know. She she told the North Carolina legislature she was there to play nice, and then she took down the Confederate statue and just resigned, walked out, took everybody down, lit everything on fire on the way out. You you never know what you're going to get with her. <laughs> She's a wild card. She's she is a wild card. I'm telling you, watch out here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you who I feel pretty confident is going to get fired. You guys got any guesses on that one? Chad Morris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. I think his players fired him today. Yeah. I think that's what happened. That's what I think. I agree. I I think that his team uh, his team quit on him today. I can't believe that that they, that they got beat like that by Western Kentucky, a team that was playing a quarterback that Chad Morris thought wasn't good enough for him. It was the reason that they couldn't win. Like, they got beat like that. That's that is and 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 how about this? Like, if you're a head coach, you get in a shot at a big job. I I I would be. I mean, it know who you're hiring, but what you're getting with your assistant coaches, because John Chavis has had some great years in the SEC, but uh, those years are behind him, and. You know, Chad Morris went and hired a big name, and I'm not blaming John Chavis for this. This is clearly, you know, there's there, there's a lot of blame to go around starting with the head coach, but uh, this defense has not been good for two years. And, uh, you know, that, that was supposed to be some, you know, hot, sexy hire. Uh, hadn't worked out that way. When yeah, do you I think mean, Chad Morris gets fired? Sunday? Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think we wake up tomorrow and the, the news is breaking. If he's not fired tomorrow, I I will be shocked. The only reason I could think that he wouldn't be is because I thought I'd read that his his buyout's like twelve million if he's fired before the new year. But I don't think that's gonna matter. I don't see how they can continue. I mean, just like they lost to Western Kentucky forty five to nineteen. It's not like they lost on a last second field goal. They got completely dominated by a conference USA team at home a year after losing to a conference USA team. <laughs> and I also lost to Colorado state last year. So it's, I, I don't see how this is a tenable situation at all. And if I'm Chad Morris, why the hell do I even want to still be there? I'm probably hoping I get fired tomorrow. Mm. 
maybe no emergency pod for Chad Morris. We're just going to go ahead and declare that one done. Not a surprise. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's talk about it now. Who should Arkansas yeah. hire? Uh, well, I'd say this much. They, I think they, Mike Norvell's eyeing that Florida State job. Mike Norvell's like, man, y'all had your chance with me. I, you know, you, they, you know, they could, they, instead of hiring Mike Norvell last year, they hired the guy that Mike Norvell beat that went five and seven and five or whatever Chad Morris wanted us to mute. You know who Arkansas should hire? Matt Campbell. No, somebody who. Yeah, that, no, why? Why would no? Um, somebody who might not get them to where they'd love to be, but somebody who can at least make things fun. Hire Rich Rod. Mm. I mean, he I could, could get him. He can get him to bowl games and stuff. I could rock with Rich Rod yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Coming up on the other side, more of our takes from week 11 next. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Okay, so as we, uh, as we look across the landscape, we got Arkansas, uh, Ohio State, 70-burger. Uh, o- Odell's now 3-0 uh, and o as an interim coach. How about that? Uh, Miami. Maybe they should hire Odell. Maybe they should. Hey, there's already billboards out uh, in, the, in the state of Florida trying to promote it. Uh, Miami laid it down. Clemson laid it down. Baylor survived. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Tom. Where do you, you want to go next? Uh... I'm good with going with. Did any? Did you guys watch FSUBC? No, no. I tracked oh, okay. it, so I, I couldn't watch it. It was on ACC Network, so it'd be hard for me to talk about anything there. Uh, we could talk about Clemson just kind of mollywhopping NC State, just doing what Clemson does out there. Just, I mean, that was what it was like twenty-eight to nothing before the end of the first quarter. Yep. Yeah. Can, can we? Can we like? Uh, um. I mean, is anyone still talking about Clemson is not that good anymore? Like, is okay. anyone still talking about that now? Yeah, we, they're all right. Can we put that to rest at this point? Yeah, they <laughs> had the they had their Clemson game where they didn't show up against North Carolina. I didn't. I mean, look, I didn't watch this game, so maybe it's a deceiving fifty-five to ten. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was closer than the score suggests. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! And Iowa State just scored. Just scored. Holy cow! Oh wow! Should, this should have been my sprinkle, man. Should have sprinkled this thing. Should have you know, doubled the, down on Kenny, a fade. Kenny sprinkled it on HQ this morning. This was his money line sprinkle. Nice, well done, Kenny. Oklahoma is really, really not trying to be in the playoff this year. 
Jalen Hurts Heisman talk is having a rough day. The national championship tier has taken a hit. The, the, that, that has been scraped a couple names off the list this week. Agreed. I guess Alabama is still on the national championship tier, but Oklahoma is trending out. Uh, mm-hmm. Penn State is out. Um, oh, I don't think Penn State's out. No, I'm, I'm saying – I guess what I mean by that is they – they, like, like for for a while we were talking about like there looks like there's six teams that can win a national title. I'm not saying Penn State can't get into the playoffs, but does anyone oh, okay. think they're going to beat Ohio State? No. Does anyone think that no. they're going to beat LSU? No. So I, the 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 tier of teams we actually believe can win it is is starting to dwindle a little bit, and not not that we should be surprised by that. Pac-12 is loving this right now, though. Oh yeah. Oregon's going to have their uh, their hands full. Next week at Arizona State. But if they can do that, then it should be clear sailing to be able to be in the Pac-12 title game against Utah. And by the way, I I did mention the USC is still technically in the Pac-12 title race. Uh, A quick glance at Utah's remaining schedule. We've got a UCLA. We've got an Arizona. We've got a Colorado. Do y'all think Utah's going to win all those games? Don't look past UCLA right now. Okay. I'm not saying they're going to lose it, but UCLA has been playing a lot better the last month than it was the first month. Well, if Utah I, can beat UCLA, and I think I, I feel comfortable saying that the way that Utah's looked now that they're fully healthy, uh, I do think we will get Oregon and Utah potentially each uh, with as one loss teams. Did the they Clones go f- win for two. Did they get it? Uh, oh, no. Nope. So, uh, Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I gotta say, I don't really like. I guess I don't know. Do you think that was the right call? I don't really like it. I feel like you have. I feel they, like, they, they they haven't been that good on the goal line in this game. No, I I there's a part of you where it's like when you're on the road, I would rather go for it because I feel like if I take it to overtime on the road against this team, I'm probably not going to win. But at the same time. You've had so much momentum going to come back and get this game. I feel like maybe you should have. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have loved it if they caught it. <laughs> but no, I think I don't. I don't hate the decision. I don't know if it was the right decision, but I think it's. Oh, oh man, it was. It, that was a catchable ball too. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a great play. But wow. So Oklahoma still alive for the national title, <laughs> as we were still saying. Alive. Still alive. Probably the favorite. <laughs> let me go. Let me go cash that lock. I need. I need every win I can get on Buzzsaw Weekend. Oh man! And San Jose State just threw an interception. Um. All right. So, what else we got? I, talk to me about Iowa and Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin because that that seemed like <laughs> a pretty strong, pretty strong game. That was that was your. That, I mean, that was Minnesota. Or that was in Wisconsin and Iowa game. There's, I don't feel like there's really any other way to put it. It was uh, Iowa made the valiant comeback effort, got stuffed at the goal line, going for two to tie it at the end. But it was just, it was not a pretty game. Iowa only had like 295 yards of offense. Uh, yeah, I kind of felt like Wisconsin had that game won until the late Iowa charge. Yeah, and it was kind of like, a, I mean, Iowa made it a game at the end. They, they finally found how to do it in offense, and I think it was mostly more related to Wisconsin maybe being a little lax on defense compared yeah. to how it had been the first three and a half yes. quarters. Yeah, I agree. 
But, you know, so that that's a lesson for Jim Leonard and the guys heading forward. But it was, yeah, it wasn't the most exciting game. I don't think it was a great game. Congratulations to Jonathan Taylor for being the first running back to bust and run longer than 20 yards against Iowa. But, um, yeah, there, there was nothing about it that I saw that made me think Wisconsin's figured anything out and is able to, you know, is ready to go on a roll again. And I always just looked as very unimpressive as it has for most of the year, which is why it's like them being ranked at 18 is just kind of like, I get why, but it's like, I feel like if the committee had actually been watching Iowa play football, it wouldn't rank it at 18. I think it was just going based on the resume and the metrics. Well, just because it's got a bunch of close losses to other good teams. Yeah, but it's, it's not, if, if Iowa is the 18th best team in the country, college football is in trouble. Yeah, but that and that's just Iowa, and it's just like when yeah, Iowa's but, good, it's just like an ugly good. Yeah, but that's the thing though. I don't. I've as as an Iowa connoisseur, I feel I don't think that this Iowa team lives up to those Iowa teams. I think this is just kind of an average Iowa team. That's fair, but if you look at college football as the top forty music chart, it's like Iowa is its own genre where you might not get it, but there's enough people that do get it. And it's good enough within that genre that it's going to end up in the top 40. So like Iowa's the psychedelic furs. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. I don't, it's not for me. I don't know. Enjoy that acid. Uh, all right. So the Georgia boa constrictor was in full effect mm-hmm. a- against Missouri. Just a uh, big, big day for Rodrigo blanket ship out there, kicking a bunch of field goals. I, I, do, I sort of struggle to, try and have any hand wringing about the Georgia offense right now because I've come to accept that this is just a team that is going to be uh, relying on its defense and its defense is really really good now uh, I don't think that Georgia currently is going to be in a position where you know tough games coming up they got to go play at Auburn Uh, we mentioned the zombie Texas A&M team who knows what that's going to be at the end of the year but Georgia if Georgia is able to continue to win all these games, it will be in a win and you're in scenario in the SEC championship. It is in addition to its one loss. I just think it is not capable of putting together whatever style points might be there unless the committee uh, falls head over heels in love with this Georgia defense because it kind of feels like we're going to be dealing with the boa constrictor pretty much. And like what the Auburn Georgia game is going to be what? 17, 13, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just this this is what we're going to be doing with Georgia where it's not going to be overwhelming in the way that an LSU win would be. But yet, as long as the wins are there and as long as they continue to be effective, it's going to keep their college football playoff hopes alive. Georgia Georgia was one of my locks, so I had like an eye on the game, but I wasn't paying super close attention because like you're describing it, Chip, it was just the Georgia boa constrictor. So it was like, okay, I, I already see where this game is going. But from what I did see, I, I didn't have the sound on, but I bet Kirby Smart did not make any comments about people talking about Jake Fromm after this one because Jake Fromm did not look very good in this game. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He was, let me look. Hold on. He was 13 of 29 for 173 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions, but 13 of 29 for 173 yards. No, that's part of the, that's all part of the game plan. No. Is <laughs> Jake Fromm just, just uh, like – They'll throw out a really bad game so then they can get motivated about it. And everyone, they, they read the message boards and then they get all psyched up for the next game and then Jake Fromm throws for 300. 
That's how, that's that's the cycle. That's the Georgia cycle. This year. He's he's saving those yards for when he's with the Bears. So when you're you go like what twelve for fourteen on third down against Florida, so that then you can go eight for eighteen on third down against Missouri. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. It just it it just it felt like uh it felt like Georgia was doing there. We're bigger. We're stronger. We're more talented. Dance and every single time they got stuck in a gotta have it situation, it they didn't get it, but. They've got a decent enough offense and they had good field position advantages most of the game. And Rodrigo Blankenship's an all-American caliber kicker. So I know he had a very, very impactful miss against South Carolina, but let's not forget that he's still one of the best kickers in the SEC. So uh yeah, that Kirby Smart was very comfortable riding that to uh to an easy twenty seven nothing win. And I guess in Fromm's defense I mean, looking at how Mizzou's offense was playing, he probably never felt all that much pressure to try. Fair. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> when did we uh when did we lose uh Oh, never mind. Sorry. So Our Innocence? <laughs> long time ago. Especially on this podcast. Uh so we've got did y'all get any eyes on Baylor TCU? Yeah. A little bit. Uh, not not the not the most impressive showing I by mean, the Baylor Bears. It's a lock fight win for Barton. How do you feel about that win? Does it feel yeah. dirty? Yeah, it feels like you can like. I don't know that I deserved it. You didn't deserve it, so <laughs> I'm not sure who deserved it. I'll tell you uh, who didn't deserve anything. This guy who had the under. And it was nine to nine at the end of regulation, and his under didn't win because they kept that's, scoring points in overtime. That's no fun. You were that person that I was thinking that might be the worst beat of the weekend, easily. I had the under forty nine chip. It was nine to nine. Yes, <laughs> and twenty nine to twenty three to finish. Uh huh. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, so do you like I, I kind of think that the game played in TCU's favor. They lured Baylor into what they wanted to do. They weren't able to win it in overtime. Baylor now is going to be playing uh, at Oklahoma. Oh, Baylor's going to be playing at home against Oklahoma next week. Uh, we just mentioned Oklahoma got a uh, thanks to a failed two point try from Iowa State. Ba- Oklahoma was able to hang on for a win against the Cyclones. So Oklahoma Baylor, uh, what's neither of these teams feel good going into the game. Which of these two teams do you think ends up coming out on top? And do you think that as we look at the Big Twelve title race, is it going to be Baylor and Oklahoma again in Dallas? Yeah. <laughs> so do you? Let me see. So Baylor's got. Oklahoma, and then who's Baylor? Then Texas and Kansas. Kansas. So, uh, I mean, they would even if they lose to Oklahoma and Texas and beat Kansas, then and finish ten and two, they're in, right? Pretty much. I mean, wait, see, Oklahoma, Texas would have lost to no, because Texas would just, have, would just have two losses, I guess. If Texas yeah. wins out. Including Texas beating Baylor, Texas can get back in it. Texas has to yeah. go so ba- to Iowa so State. What, yeah, so basically what you're asking, Chip, is does Baylor beat Texas with Texas also beating Iowa State? Right. 
um, or whatever. I don't know if I said that right. Either way, uh, I, I, that, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment. That, it just, this doesn't feel like a Baylor team that's going to – Texas is going to keep on getting a little healthier. Uh, hey, I, I mentioned it was sort of like grit week. I know I'm kind of. I don't mean to steal that from. Uh, pardon my take or anything, but it's it's just. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. it wasn't a word for grit. It, but this was just a week that. You know these teams showed some re- resilience, and and Texas is one of them. Texas has been. They were down fourteen nothing. They've dealt with all kinds of injuries. They played a tough, disciplined Kansas State team, and they found a way to win. I think Texas is going to finish strong. I mean, I, next week against Iowa State is a. Really interesting game. I don't know who's who. I think is going to win that, but I and I picked. I actually picked before the year Baylor to beat Texas at home. But I think right now, given that Baylor's undefeated at nine and zero, and that they're not going to win them all, I'm starting to think that Texas is is good enough to go and 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 finish strong and win that game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Baylor's good enough to go undefeated, but. Uh, the one thing about it is when it gets in, like the last, it's had two close calls now in the last two games against West Virginia and now against TCU. But the one thing I like, and then there was the other game earlier this year against Texas Tech that was like a three point game. The Iowa State game was close. I feel like what this team does well is late in games, it doesn't screw up and it's kind of confident and believes in itself. It's just. I don't know if it's going to be able to do that against Oklahoma. Like, I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be able to survive against Oklahoma just being smart and fundamentally sound. Now, if it's in a close battle with Texas, yeah. But I think next week we're going to have to see a Baylor team that was much better than the Baylor team we've seen in their last two games if they're going to come away with a win there. Because even though, as we've seen, Oklahoma is far from perfect, I still think that Oklahoma is so talented and so potent that they don't have to be perfect to beat you. Who's Baylor? Who's better, Baylor or Minnesota? Minnesota. Yeah, I think Minnesota. I, I don't know what I mean. Look, maybe maybe Minnesota's just played a great, played the perfect game against Penn State and on the big stage, and then otherwise hadn't really played good teams. That's that's possible because it's true. I mean, they haven't played as good a teams I, I think as Baylor's played. Twelve is a tougher road. Um, because when I think about the actual players, you know, Tanner Morgan and I mean, that's him and Charlie Brewer. Like I'm not giving some major edge to Minnesota there. Minnesota, I think has better receivers. They're really good, but, but there's some pretty freaky dudes that are in that Baylor receiving core too. Um, you know, Denzel Mims is, that's probably an NFL guy. You know, there's Carter Coughlin from Minnesota. James Lynch is as good as anyone in the country. I mean, so I don't know. I, for some reason, I, I, you know, I'm just I'm sitting here fresh off of the things clicking for Minnesota. But maybe I should have answered that so quickly. I mean, Baylor's got players. I will say, if, if assuming that they both lose games at some point, I wouldn't mind seeing them in a bowl game. That could be pretty fun. Get them in, uh, I guess, in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I doubt the Rose Bowl, but if if not a New Year's Six Bowl, just you know, I, I don't know. I, I would just wouldn't mind seeing them play somewhere because I think that could be a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else from the Notebook from the week? Uh, I mean, it wasn't the most. I mean, there were a lot of fun, exciting games, but I feel like it wasn't the 
greatest week. Georgia Tech kind of messed around with Virginia for a while, nearly pulled it off. But we kind of briefly mentioned that Stanford boy, Stanford's back to being Stanford. Uh, Bar- unbelievable, unbelievable. I can't, be- I cannot believe that they lost to that Colorado team. It's six game in a row. Stanford's a. I went over it all. My my reasoning was sound. I can't believe Stanford lost that game. Maybe KJ Costello got knocked out in the first series. I haven't checked the box score, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> Played the whole game. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's um, that's blows my mind. I'm kind of shocked that Virginia Tech is all of a sudden good too. I mean, like, yeah. Turns out last week's Notre Dame game wasn't a fluke. Yeah, it was a. Uh, they've they've got some they've got some uh, some mojo right now. That's what I'll say about Virginia Tech. I am not I am not convinced that they are. Uh, they they are certainly in a much better spot as a team, as a locker room. Just sort of, you know, the vibe around that program. We talked about it for a long time. It was a little bit shaky there for a minute. Starting to get a little bit concerned about this whole. Uh, you know, Justin Fuente regime and the way that everything was clicking behind the scenes, they have done uh, the the locker room, the coaching staff, everybody's done a great job of turning that around. I do think there are still limitations with this Virginia Tech personnel, but hey, you beat you beat this Wake Forest team, this very, very good Wake Forest team, 36-17, and uh, outscore them 30-7 in the second half. That's, that's, that's doing your job. So Virginia Tech... Again, like you talked about that Georgia Tech UVA game, we're headed towards Virginia Tech and UVA for the coastal coastal title. Uh, did y'all see ECU now has scored uh, ninety four points in the last two weeks and lost both games? <laughs> Still a lot better than they were last year. They just got to learn how to finish. They just got to learn how to finish. SMU wins fifty nine to fifty one in regulation against the Pirates. Oh, you know what? Speaking of points, I want to go back to something. If I can complain more about some bad beats. Sure. So we mentioned this game earlier, but none of us watched it, so we didn't really have anything to say. I took my one of my locks was the under 63 in Boston College, Florida State. At the end of the third quarter, the score was 24 to 14. They scored 31 points in the fourth quarter, including three touchdowns, or no, I'm sorry, Four touchdowns in the final two minutes and 33 seconds. Yeah, one of them was a 75-yard touchdown or an 85-yard touchdown, right? Yeah. They scored four touchdowns in the final two minutes and 33 seconds of this game to hit 69 and kill my under 63. It was a great day for my unders, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you... at least win a lock fight with me, Tom. And my, my beloved that, Canes. That begs the question: Did did Miami finally decide to have a quarterback? Is Jaron Williams just going to be a quarterback all of a sudden? Looks like it. I mean, he that game they were playing that was raining a lot during most of that game. That was not the most beneficial weather. But Miami played well. Jaron Williams played well. He had 253 yards passing, but more than anything, he had six touchdown passes. So for Jaron, good for Miami. I think, yeah, I think maybe he's just the dude going forward, which is probably the best thing for them. Well, it stinks because they've already got three conference losses, and uh, that includes already having 
uh, a loss to Virginia Tech. They do have the head-to-head against Virginia, but um, and I guess against Pittsburgh as well. But things, you know, be, being able to get to the ACC championship game, it feels like Miami's going to get a share of the Coastal title at 5-3, and three, but then not get to go back to Charlotte to play Clemson for the title, uh, even though they probably are the best challenger to Clemson, not just from the Coastal, but maybe in the whole ACC. Yeah, and we mentioned that Wake lost. It's like now we're looking at a situation where Clemson's going to be playing Wake next week, and Wake's probably not going to be ranked. So in all likelihood, Clemson's not going to have a chance to add a ranked win to their resume, which, granted, won't mean a damn thing if they don't lose. But, you know, it's people are going to be using Clemson's schedule against it. So even even if the Tigers are undefeated, I could still see them being like the four seed at the end of the year. Mm, I still th- would pick them to win the title. I think I would too, especially if they're the four seed. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So we saw what they did today being the five seed. They, <laughs> they let their feelings be known. Oh, man. All right. Uh, well, as always, if you want to jump in on a mailbag Monday, the way that you do that is you go to the Cover 3 podcast page, you leave a five star review, uh, and you, you know, let us know what you like about the show talk to us ask us a question ask us a question for the mailbag and it will get included on a mailbag monday uh you can always get at us on twitter you can follow him at twitter at barman at barton simmons follow him on twitter at tom fernelli you can follow me at chip underscore patterson uh gentlemen thank you very much thank you Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.